The Courage to Lead, episode 191. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Matt Ward. In 2002, Matt Ward began working with business owners through his digital marketing agency, In Concert Web Solutions, to improve their bottom line, gain more clients, and grow their respective businesses. He then sold his agency in 2018 so that he could focus on helping businesses get more word of mouth referrals. Matt is the author of two books, the first book, More word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers and raving fans, and his newest book, The High Five Effect, How to Do Business with People Who Bring You Joy. And that was released in October of 2021. Matt believes that creating deeper and more meaningful connections will result in more word of mouth referrals. He personally uses this philosophy in his own business. Matt is a professional member of the National Speakers Association, and he and his companies have received numerous awards, including 40 Under 40, uh, Chamber Small Business Owner of the Year, top web firm seven years in a row, and Better Business Bureau Torch Award finalist. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Harlan. That is a fantastic bio that I'm so glad you <laughs> read that I wrote, and it's yeah. fantastic. I appreciate that. <laughs> good, I had good material to work with. Good there you material go. To work with. So uh, web solutions, you started off in the web digital marketing. I did, and I knew nothing about it. Yeah, and I just I, pieced it together. You just knew that, really? No yeah. background in it. You just no. I went to the University of Google. <laughs> like literally, had to figure out through Google how to code websites. That's awesome. Built but it you into had that a business for what? Company. How many? Years? I had it for sixteen years. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. See, anything good is run. possible when you set your mind to it. Anything's possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a good run. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I sold it to a guy I met in a networking group. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, hey, I want to come back and talk about all that stuff. Yeah. Especially about the the uh, networking and and building building those relationships because that's really what business is all about. And I think people skip mm -hmm. over that. So yeah, we'll come back and talk about all that, how you got your start, who you work with, how you help them. Um, and at some point we're going to transition into courage and leadership. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood film, stage, television. Um, and I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Matt, if you're ready, 10 questions. Let's do it. All right, question number one, what is your favorite word? Growth. Growth, excellent. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on? Mm. Sugar. Okay. <laughs> Honesty. I like that. Okay. What turns you off? Drama. Amen. All right. What sound or noise do you love? I, I love the, the sound of silence. If that's a sound, just Absolutely. sort of just sitting still and listening. Absolutely. And, I, and not having a lot of stuff in the background, silence. Yeah, silence is good. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Mm. 
the sound of an argument, two people arguing. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Um, question seven, what is your favorite curse word? The F word. Yeah, that seems to be the most popular. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Huh. I um, have always been enamored with airplanes and know a pilot. I, I would love to be a commercial airline pilot. Nice. Excellent. And uh, what profession would you not like to do? I don't think I'd want to be a farmer. I'm perfectly happy just doing that on the Xbox. (laughs) All right. And final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You did well, Matt. You did well. Absolutely. Good job. All right, Matt, we're going to come back and talk about how you got your start, um, how you got to where you are now, some of the accomplishments you've had, who you work with and how you help them. And at some point, we'll transition into courage and leadership. All right? Absolutely. All right. So listeners, we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Matt Ward. Matt, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to be on the on the show with us. Really appreciate your time being here. So you are big into uh, the networking and building relationships with people. You sold your business in 2018 to focus on getting more word of mouth referrals. Why is that so important? Why are word of mouth referrals important? Well, I think I realized that they were important when I realized I hated cold calling like, <laughs> and I yes. hate sales as yes. in general. And my good friend, Jason Cutter, a sales coach has taught me not to hate sales. But the reality is, is that many people hate sales, but they don't hate people. They don't hate building relationships or talking to people what they hate is trying to i think in their mind sell something to someone that maybe they don't need because they were taught all the wrong ways yes and what jason mind gave me a mind shift and it was more like oh you know i have a responsibility to help people when they express that they need the help and that my service can help them so i don't have a problem with sales per se now yeah. But it, back back when I got my journey in, into this uh, world of referrals, it just came naturally to me to start building relationships with people, but more so build them with the people who can refer me on a regular basis versus trying to build the relationships with the clients, because oftentimes clients don't really want the relationships. Mm. And so they just want the transaction. They want that. They want the problem solved that you provide. Mm. Um, but the referral source and partner tends to want the relationship as well. But this is more than just networking, right? Networking oh, is kind yeah. of the start, but this gets deeper yeah. into building those relationships. Yeah, I think networking is the sort of the cinder block of the house, so to speak, or the concrete, poured concrete foundation. Um, it's kind of like this. You've driven by a house one time that was started to be built and literally has never been built, just the foundations there. So that's what it's like to go to networking and do nothing. 
Yeah. You go to these networking groups, you collect business cards and you do nothing with it. Now you have a foundation, but what? You built nothing. So what you need to do now is build the relationship from there. And it's about staying in touch on a consistent basis and caring about others. So I, most people believe that, that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. They've heard this from all the experts over the years, but I don't believe that's true. I believe that people do business with who they know, like, trust, and care about. And that four-letter word is the most important four-letter word yeah. in the English language. Are we truly caring about other people, caring about their success, and helping them along the way? so that ultimately we have a great relationship. And the byproduct of that is referrals. Yeah. If I can help you in any way, I want to help you. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's where we do get it wrong with sales. With sales, we think I'm going to benefit when I sell you something. We need to shift that. How am I going to help you, right? If you buy my product or service. And even then, think of the third-party interval where you're not buying my service. I'm just helping you. You may never be a client of mine, Harlan, but yeah. you may say to me, hey, Matt, I'm, I, I live in Fort Myers. You may say, Matt, I'm visiting Fort Myers. I'll be like, hey, great. Can I need a ride? I'll pick you up at the airport. Well, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to be a kind person. Yeah. Like, and from that type of thing comes other relationships. Nice. And... You, we don't always have to be in it for something in return. We can right. be in it for value, for self-satisfaction of great people, for caring about other people in a way that makes things stand out. I mean, it, it can just be about that. And Absolutely. the byproduct of all of that is referrals and ultimately more business. Yeah. But it's a long game. It's not something oh, yeah. that happens overnight, right? It takes a very long time. In fact, I tell people all the time, the work you do today pays off in six months. So are you willing to make the investment of time? And the reality is, is, is trust is the foundation for all of this. And so you, you have this trust bank account, you, you put small micro deposits of trust in there all the time, and eventually you take a withdrawal. But if you take that withdrawal and it goes negative, you cannot recover. Mm. So if you take that withdrawal too early, you're done. Yeah. And you've wasted all that work. And, and the reality is sometimes you can go real quick where trust is right there. And then all of a sudden we're doing business and we're referring each other. And it's just so it happens that it clicks like that. But yeah. that's the incredible rarity. It does happen, but that's incredible rarity. More often than not, it takes three to six months to get built up to a point where you're touching base. Maybe you have those six to 10 calls, just like they say in cold calling. It takes a lot of time yeah. to keep touching people. The same thing works in, in the referral business where the relationship is growing over time. And at that point, someone feels comfortable to refer you. Yeah. And, and that's where things can start to really that's benefit really all happens. parties involved. Yeah. So what are businesses or business owners doing wrong? What are they not doing that they should start doing to get more referrals? Well, so the first thing is the number one thing is they're talking to the wrong people. Okay. So they might go to a networking group or they might come on a podcast or whatever. And they're, they're literally talking to the client, expecting the client to refer. And most people, when I, when I speak at a crowd, I'll say, raise your hand if the number one source of new business is, is referrals, they all raise their hand. And then I'll say, now keep your hand up if you have a strategy to grow your referrals, none. And then I'll say, how many of you people believe that the source of your referrals is your clients? And overwhelmingly, 80% raise their hand. And it's not, they believe that because they haven't tracked it. Mm. Number one, they haven't tracked it. And number two, some client gave them a good referral one time. But the reality is that people, refer when they're in a position to do so right. and not for any other reason. They're not going to, you're not going to push them to refer when there's nobody to refer. 
right? You don't randomly stop somebody and say, hey, I've got a great plumber. Yeah, exactly. So right. think about this. Last time you bought a house, right? You owned a house in your lifetime, right? You mm -hmm. bought that house. You sat on the back deck of that house. Your neighbors came over. And the first thing you said is you need to use my realtor. No, mm -hmm. you need to use my mortgage person. No, you need to use my moving company. No, you say, isn't this house nice? You talk about the house. You're not talking about all the people that helped you get into the house because it doesn't come up. It's not a topic of point. But if your neighbor decided to list their house and they didn't even call you, they just called the realtor because they saw the sign in the yard. And the realtor said, great, you're going to list your house. Are you going to buy another one? Yeah. Do you have a mortgage person? Nope. Bingo referral. Mm -hmm. Look at that. The referral came from the realtor. It did not come from you, the customer. And it happens all the time like that. There are a mm. few exceptions. They do exist in the world of service-based businesses. But most of the time, the referral comes from somebody who is, a, who is in a position to refer who's talking about that industry or that thing that happens. In the web design world, it was IT. Hey, who's managing your email? Uh, you are? No, we don't manage that. Do you have an IT person? No. Nope. Okay. Talk to this person. Yeah. They would call their IT person, ask for websites. They're like, we don't do that. Call Matt. And so we're barking up the wrong tree. We got to start, stop focusing on the clients. The clients need great service. Right. But we need to stop worrying about getting referrals from them and focus on the partners who refer on a regular basis. The second thing is we don't stay in touch enough to those mm -hmm. referral partners. We don't reach out enough. We don't send LinkedIn messages, Facebook messages, uh, snail mail, handwritten cards. People don't do that anymore. That is the most powerful way to jumpstart your referral business. Start sending handwritten cards to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I tell the story that we were in our house. We had our house. We had problems with our air conditioning unit. Had three or four different companies come out and none of them could fix this problem. This one company came out, they fixed it. The next day I had a handwritten card from the owner of the business. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. If there's anything you need, here's my personal cell number. It's like, I'll never use anybody else, you know? How did you contact that company? I just Google looked them up. Yeah. yeah, I just looked them up. But that's how I found the other ones too. And, and the question becomes, is he sending handwritten cards to all the other contractors who are referring his air conditioning business on a regular basis? Mm, right. You see, again, this is the same trap people fall into. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. amazing to send handwritten cards to clients. And I love that yeah. because you're talking about it on a podcast. Right. That's what a handwritten card does. Now think about that times 10. Right. Because you now sent it to someone who has the power to refer you 10 times versus right. once. So it's looking for those referral partners. How do you, yeah. how do you know, how do you define a good referral partner? It's a great little um, system you can use. Great little uh, tool, if, if, so to speak. You write down the last 10 clients that you have on the left-hand side of a piece of paper. And on the right-hand side of that same piece of paper, I want you to write down who referred them. And if a client referred the current client, the last 10 clients, I want you to cross it out and throw it away. And then I want you to look on the right. Who referred you clients that is not a client? There's a theme there. What is that theme? What industry are they in? Are they in Little League with your kid? Are they at church? Are they in politics? What, who? What is about them? Are they all men? Are they all women? Do they all hang out at the gym? What is the story with those five or six people that referred that are not clients? Hmm. Find out what they do and who they are. 
that's your set of referral sources. And then you duplicate those people. So these are in, in the world of marketing, it's called an avatar. Right. Basically, you're defining who your ideal, and they say your ideal client is your avatar, but I'm telling you to pick an ideal avatar for your partner. Okay. And so now, you know, when you go into a networking business or, or a networking event, like when I was in the web design world, I would say, do you know an IT guy? Nice. All the time. I didn't care about anybody buying a website there. Right. I'm always going to the spigot that runneth over. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. If, if, if most of your referral referrals came from, say, a, a financial advisor, then seek yeah. out all the financial advisors and create relationships with them. Nice. Absolutely. Very cool. So is that what you talk about in your book? Yeah, what about that's referrals. Yeah, the, the more word of mouth referrals is 45 different ways to stay in touch with other people. And also has the component of what I call the care package, which are the four pillars on how you get referrals. And I'll go through them super quick for you. The first one is over delivery. You got to exceed your client's expectations. That is not under promise and over deliver. That is Bush League. Do not do that. <laughs> Always give everything you've got. Don't ever hold back. So that's over deliver. Number two is listening. Are you listening with your eyes and your ears? Not just your ears, but your eyes. And are you actively listening? Right. So you're listening to the answer and then you're asking a question about the answer that shows you're listening. Number three is surprise. That's an um, unexpected gift at an unexpected time. So nice. and that can be the handwritten card or it can be an actual gift. Like you got to figure out what people are like and what sports teams and college alumni, all this other stuff. But those are ways you can connect. And the final is non self-serving acts. That's like the airport pickup thing I was telling you about. So are we caring enough about other people where there's no benefit um, or reward to us in any way? And so once we build that habit of those four uh, pillars, we start to really move forward. So that's in the, in the referrals book, along with 45 different tips on how to stay in touch with other people. One, one of them is like Frosty Fridays. They buy Frosties, for, drop them off at client locations, <laughs> drop them off at partner locations, right? Nice. I, was, I did that so much, I was getting text messages. Hey, it's Friday, are you coming by? Yeah, where well, are you? It's no seen longer you. a surprise. Like, and so, by the, by the way, the reason the surprise works is because when things are expected, when you tell somebody something's coming, the impact is far less. Yeah. So just surprise them. Like one of the hacks in the book is um, if you believe in a book, like a business book, say you like, yeah, one I like is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Yes, absolutely. I was, I was blessed to have him, uh, you know, endorse my, my newest book. But I love that book so much. I've, I've been on his podcast and, 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 and it's just a great, it, it changed my mindset around business money thinking. Yes. I will buy copies of that book and then mail them to people. And I will buy the copies of the book and have them shipped to me. And then I will write in the cover my thoughts, nice. address it to the person, and then I will mail it to them. I'm paying double shipping. I never buy something off of Amazon or anywhere else and have it directly shipped. Yeah. Because it can't, the personal touch isn't there. Sometimes I see on Facebook, people be like, somebody shipped me this, but I don't know who it's from. Yeah. The whole impact is just lost. And eventually they'll be like, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But I mean, I've gotten bacon shipped to me at my house. <laughs> like folks, you know, my address is on my website. I like bacon, <laughs> yeah. whatever, ship it. Nice. That so. is cool. Yeah. I like the surprise. That's good. Um, and then what about the high five effect? Yeah, so the high five effect is um, focused on how to build a business with people who bring you joy. Nothing worse than having draining clients. Yeah. So I kind of rewrote Maslow's hierarchy of needs in there into the business owner's hierarchy of needs. And I talk about 
the important factor, I interviewed 50 small business owners and we, we discussed one of the biggest problems is these red flag clients. Why are we taking on clients we know are gonna be a problem? Yeah. Number one reason, the only reason was money. So what we have to do is get to a predictable amount of recurring revenue every single month in a business so that we can push away clients, people that are not good fits. And there's reasons why we're not doing that. We're not innovating enough. We're not putting subscription programs in place. We're not um, focused on the right market. We don't have the right referral partners. So I unpack all of that. Mm -hmm. And then also make sure people understand what the definition of joy is, yeah. right? Because for everybody, it's different. For sure. me, I'm focused on the definition of freedom. So freedom is joy. And my definition of freedom is doing what I want, when I want, where I want, and how I want. Exactly. That's my focus. And, and that isn't everybody's like when I, when I want to do 50 gigs in a year, people go, Oh my goodness, you're going to be a road warrior. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, I could never do that. My first question is, do you have kids? And they go, yeah. I go, okay, I don't like, there's a big difference in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Like you chose to have responsibilities the rest of your life. I chose to be an adult with a bunch of free money. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No, that's true. That's my wife and I are digital nomads right now. We yeah. don't have kids. We don't have pets, uh, almost debt-free. It's easy for us. A lot of people go, oh, I could never do that. It's like not in your current situation. But if that's something you wanted, you could move towards that, right? That's what I teach people all the time. You know, at the web agency, before I sold it in 2018, I was down to like three days a week. And uh, people are like, how do you do that? Like, how do you partition your time? I'm like, listen, first off, you have to have one thing, the mindset. And this is what I tell people. Yep. Freedom is a very distinct choice to not allow other people to steal your time. So for instance, in my Google, my uh, uh, calendar scheduling tool, you cannot book Mondays, you cannot book Fridays, you cannot book weekdays after 1 p.m. Nice. Unacceptable. I just don't allow it. I make exceptions to do certain things I want to do, but that's right. by choice specific. Right. Now, if you want to work seven days a week, 10 hour days, I don't have an issue with that as long as you specifically are choosing to do that. What happens in small business, and the reason I wrote that book in 2021 is because I believe most people, small business owners, left the corporate world because they want three things. More money, more time, and more freedom. And they don't get any of those three things. Yeah, It's because the business owns them and they, they're married to the business, not their family, not their future, not their what, what they're seeking. And once you start to get control of what you're seeking and what life will look like, it will always change, yeah. but you can, you have the right mindset to guide you in the right direction. And you also have boundaries in place. When you put boundaries in place, your life will be so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I use my calendar basically the same way you do block out that time. That's for me. So I know I'm getting my stuff done, but also having time just to do nothing. Right. But yeah. I mean, and that's boundary. Like boundaries are probably the biggest thing in business. I think most people miss. And I want to thank all the listeners for coming to the therapy session today. <laughs> exactly. um, but like, it's a very important thing to know, like there's lines I've heard, like you allow, you teach people how to treat you type of thing. All of that comes into play when it comes to bad, difficult clients, bad, difficult partners, people that are slow payers. Like, how are you, like when somebody pays slow and you're in a micro business of one to 10 people, that can really affect you, especially mm -hmm. if it's a big client. Huge. And so like, you've got to figure out how to deal with that and push back on that. And most of the time, what I've seen is business owners have a, a tough time doing that um, because they're so afraid that they're not going to, the biggest worry is where's the next job going to come from? 
when you set up the predictable amount of recurring revenue every month, you don't have that problem. That question is already answered. Yep. Love it. Good deal. So you are also National Speaker Association. You're, yeah. yeah tell me about some of your speaking gigs because you've been you've been around. Yeah. So in 2019, I did 35 all over the country. Right. I, I started in probably 2016, just doing a few here and there. And sold the business in 2018 to become a full-time professional speaker. Right. At the end of 18, did a few more gigs, and 19 really ramped up, and then 2020 hit with COVID. Yes. Um, so the last paid in-person speaking gig I did was March 7th of 2020. It's oh. been brutal in that industry. I've done some coaching, some consulting. I've built out referral partnerships for companies, an IT company, mm -hmm. for example. Um, and I have a group coaching program probably very similar to the type of services that you offer, but um, it's not as speaking starting to come back now. Um, nice. And a lot of our veteran speakers are working a lot more. They have a lot of uh, name recognition out there in the marketplace. Right. Right. Um, I, by the time the market crashed, I hadn't been out there long enough to weather that storm. I just wasn't a, a big enough known name in a lot of the markets. And, uh, and also probably didn't take enough of my own advice where in the book I wrote, I wrote the book during COVID, but you really got to niche down and get that vertical market in place. And I really didn't have that yet. Yeah. Hadn't figured out, I, I kind of like the contractor world and, and they really get me and I do really well. I've, I've spoken at the National Paving Expo, the Sign Association, the Chimney Sweep. Actually, the Chimney Sweep one was good. That was in Norfolk. That was called Sweeping Up the Cash. Nice. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, and so I've done stuff like that in um, vacation rental. I've done five or six conferences in the vacation rental industry, nice. dating all the way back. The very first uh, closing keynote I did was for the Vacation Rental Success Summit in Toronto, Canada. Nice. Um, and that was 2016. So, you know, I, 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 had, I was a closing keynote in 2018 for VRMA, the Vacation Rental Managers Association. That was in New Orleans. Um, and so... You know, these are the types of industries that I speak at. And, um, and you know, the conferences are starting to come back. Yeah. Uh, the lead time on, on this business is tough. Speaking business is uh, somewhere around eight to 18 months for yeah. a gig to come through because the speaker is the last person I think. Cause we're not the draw, right? We're not right. Bill Clinton. We're not The Rock. We're not John right. Connery, any of these big names. So we're not going to bring in ticket sales. We're not Gary Vee. Um, we're content speakers that help people take action in their business. And sure. um, so we're usually the last thought. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, plus a lot of those things are booked out months and months in advance. Well, yeah, right? because they yeah. sign contracts that right. could be three, four years out for some of these venues. And of course, you know, they have a year long process. They generally take off about six weeks after the conference is over, just take a breather. Mm -hmm. And then they start ramping up for the next time the around, next which month. is why you yeah. can hit that nine month mark. But if you miss it, you're going 18 months. Typically yeah. you're going to be in year two. Um, and so, you know, it, it, the, the speaking industry is, is interesting because unless you have other side products, you don't have that predictable amount of recurring revenue. And what happens generally is as you get close to the end of December and the holiday spurts and no conferences, you look at your calendar for the following year and you're lucky if you have three or four gigs. Yeah. And then they start to fill in as, as January hits and bookings start to happen. But all the speakers talk about this at the national conference. We have a national conference every July. Um, this year it's, it's happening in Nashville, but you know, it's been in DC and Denver and Vegas and Atlanta and all these places. So, um, so I go to that every year 
And uh, well, these are the things we talk about in the hallways. Yeah. You know, it's how yeah. to get that calendar booked on a consistent basis and exactly. then how to manage it. I'm also the, the new president of the New England chapter, too. So, oh, nice. um, you know, it's it's I'm, I'm very involved. I've been involved for five years and I've been able to grow my speaking business, you know, because I got involved, because the people are involved. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I look at on your website some of the different topics you talk about. And you you cover a lot of different things, but it seems like it's all tied back kind of to the relationship building, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, so an example is like I'll talk about social media, but not from a social media perspective of like developing a social media plan or anything like that. I talk about it on how to use it to build better relationships. I'll talk more specifically as an example about LinkedIn, for example, on how to build a better relationship using LinkedIn. Um, I'll talk about, um, I do have one motivational talk, which is called taking charge with chocolate about taking action in your life. The rest are all around, you know, whether it be networking or strategy or, you know, relationship building and, you know, and, and I talk a lot about this stuff. I have a very active YouTube channel where I've done a bunch of short videos, like three minutes long or less. Mm -hmm. And they're all tips on how to handle certain situations. Like how do I handle this networking group or how do I handle a bad client or or, you know, uh, how do I handle a referral or how do I build a referral partner? All, uh, how do I educate my partner? What do I tell them? Like, yeah. Things like that. It's so all the basic stuff. People realize, Harlan, that they really need to stay in touch and they really need to talk to people. But one of the most common questions I get asked about the handwritten card, for example, is what do I put in the card? Yeah. That's usually the question I get, not whether or not I should do it. And how often it's, what do I put in it? Cause people just overthink it. And I yeah. just tell them one of the best emails you can send is the, the check-in email. Hey, just checking in. How are you? How's business? That's it. Nice. And you might get a 20% response, but if you keep doing it over and over and over again, they'll eventually respond. Nice. Just takes time. Absolutely. So uh, talking about relationships, um, side, a little side path, maybe. Uh, had a panel discussion the other day with some previous guests talking about the great resignation, the great reshuffle, right? The great, uh, uh, one of the ladies on the podcast called it the great bite me <laughs> because that's kind of what people were thinking. But she also said, it's kind of like the, the great attraction. These people that were leaving their jobs or go to another business, maybe another competitor, right? What is attracting them? And so when you're talking about relationships, I think businesses they forget they need to have and build a relationship with their employees too, right? How do you attract, hire, and retain these great employees? How do you attract those type of people that you want to get? Yeah, one of the talks I've done for HR conferences is how to recruit and retain employees through word of mouth referrals. And what's interesting about that is the concepts are exactly the same. They're transferable over. But here's the funny thing about business. First of all, people don't leave bad jobs. Right. They leave bad bosses. They Toxic leave people cultures. that don't. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. Right. You just ask them straight out. Did they care? Nope. That's the first response you're going to get. And all I talk about is about caring. So how can they not be transferable? Right. The problem is we've been so ingrained to this societal structure of how we should run a business and how we, our HR people shouldn't talk to our employees. That's never good. Right. Right. There are two times when HR talks to new employees or talks to employees. When they're hired and when they're, yes. Why? Why, why are we so, and, and literally, I got feedback from one, one of the uh, HR conferences one time that said, it's unrealistic for us 
to believe that we would actually connect on social media with our employees. Hmm. Look, I get it. If that's your approach, then I can't help you right. because your mindset is that you don't want to get personal with these people. You want to keep the separation. And I can't help you recruit and retain employees if you're going to keep that barrier up. I don't care who you are, whether you're HR, the C-level suite, or the coworker, you have to be willing to be personal and, 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 and caring. Now, you, you don't have to know all the details. Yeah. You don't have to dig in. If, if the mom is sick of your employee, you don't have to get into the details of why that is. Just be empathetic. Let them know that you truly care. You can care in many different ways. I mean, tomorrow you could bring in a, a get well soon card or something. Hey, you know, uh, or a blank note card and you can write a note card. I was thinking of you last night. I hope everything is good with you and your mom. Yeah. And that's way more than anybody else ever does. Sure. And people aren't going to leave in that environment. Yeah. They're not going to run because it's not the money. Because when they jump for the money, it's very, very small. And they're going to jump again for the money. Absolutely. This is why I tell people never, never. Um, do referral bonuses. Never. Because what happens is employees refer for the bonus money and not good employees. You're going to get bad employees referring for the bonus money. Who do bad employees refer? People like them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They got an attendance problem. Guess who they're referring? Another attendance problem. Yep. I mean, that's not a guarantee, but it's likely. We, we hang around the people that are like us. That's just what life is. What, what life is. Yeah. And so, if, if, if Jim Rome was right, that we surround ourselves, you know, with these people and that's who we become, yep. if we're referring these people, then they're probably a lot like us. A lot like and that. Yeah. It might have the same <laughs> mindset. Like it's just not going to work, but we can find ways to be empathetic and caring in a workplace where it's not crossing the line. It's not, it ain't. And look, if, if, if you can't, be empathetic and caring toward an employee, but yet at the same time, discipline them or write them up or have difficult conversations that maybe you shouldn't be in HR. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just don't, I don't see any other way about it. Like that's how it has to work. And these people are going to keep leaving jobs for better opportunities, which they are defining mm -hmm. as a better work culture. Right. It's not about the money because yeah. They know most of these jobs, I mean, many of them are work from home now and may still in the future be that. Yeah. So they can be digital nomads like you and your wife. And I, I just yeah. don't, I, I, I don't get it. Like it, it's, it's crazy to me because mm. the thing is they see an alternative. Right. And that alternative looks, looks a lot better than what their current situation is. Right. The, the work is the same. Why. The work is probably the same. The money is pretty close to the same. It's the environment, right? When all else is the same, if that environment is toxic or, or, or not engaging, you find it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Let's talk about courage. A lot of people love being an employee working in the nine to five, right? Uh, that safety zone, the, the covered zone of the nine to five. And then there's those of us who just don't see ourselves as employees. <laughs> We have to be in, in control of our own destiny. Um, you started your own business, sold that business. You've sold a couple of different businesses mm -hmm. to get to where you are now. Where did you find that courage? Where did that come from? You know, it, in general, I'm a risk taker. But if you ask me in 1997, um, if I was a risk, I mean, I guess I was a risk taker, but maybe go back to 95. 
you asked me if I'm a risk taker, I would have told you no. I just didn't, I didn't see it. Um, in 1997, I sold my car on the street of Washington, D.C. for 50 bucks, and that's all I had in my pocket. And I went to Massachusetts mm. and started over. Wow. So there was a risk there, because I, but I had help up there. I had been dating someone, and their family was up there, and I had re not, I just had help. I, it wasn't like I didn't get money. I right. just had people like looking out for me and they said, oh, here's an apartment or maybe here's a job or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just had people, I'll call it in my corner. Um, I never got any money from anybody, but, um, and I just, I just wanted something better in life. In 1997, I filed bankruptcy and I was ashamed of it. I had never learned how to manage money. I was too young. I was in, I was 20 whatever, 24, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, and, but I went to a private boarding school, tuition-free boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania for disadvantaged kids, poverty-stricken kids. And they didn't teach us money there either. But what I did learn was how to be scrappy, how to, how to figure things out. And that's the one trait I have now that I know is stronger than anything else is I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm really really good at that. Um, I was working, I worked my way up through a mailroom and an insurance company. I was working at a software company testing their software. And I saw two rounds of layoffs go through. And I was like, mm. and then boom, I got hit right after Labor Day, 2003. And I lost my job. And I was like, oh man. And look what happened. Now back then, I jumped for money. I didn't have any way of researching whether this company was going to be stable or secure or any of that stuff. And of course, 2003 was after 9-11, software world, all that stuff. So um, at that point, you know, I just had a little part-time business. It was just, it, was, it wasn't much. I'd done a few websites. But I worked at a contract job for a little over a year. And then I was like, I don't like doing this. I was making 50 grand. I was like, this is not, I'm driving really far. Um, I just, I don't like, I'm going to give this web thing a shot. I have no idea what I'm doing. I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I could take the risk because I was married at the time and she had a very good job, uh, working in the telecommunications industry. And so we were able to make, make it work. And, and then I just grinded it out not knowing what I didn't know. And I built, uh, and so the risk taking for me has always been there. And I don't know where the courage comes from. I think it's built in this idea that I can figure it out, nice. that I have always been able to figure out something to make it work. And that is one thing that like, I always bring to the table, whether it be in a business relationship or even in a personal one, yeah. like if you don't know sort of what this thing is going to be, come to me because I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I am like steadfast in that. Nice. You know? Yeah. Um, and just that confidence in yourself, I think is, is important. And, you know, you take a risk, you, you've got to think of what's the worst that could happen. I have to go back and find another job. Okay. Well, that's not that bad. Didn't hurt me last time, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The other thing too is, I, I don't know if this is directly related to courage, but it probably has an underlying tone with it is that I grew up in poverty, very poor. 
and I had I, and nothing and I just had no structure and it was just a big mess, right? My whole life was a big mess before the age of like, you know, uh, I would say 10. I never want to go back there. Right. And I am even to this day at 40, whatever I am, 48 years old, deathly afraid of being poor again. I don't need to be rich. Right. Absolutely not. And I don't have a definition of that but I absolutely don't want to go backwards. And so I fight. I fight to continue to maintain where I'm at because of fear of going backward. Yeah. Now, yes, there are things I could do, get a job, do whatever, you know, uh, sell a house, whatever it might be, and I'll be okay. But my mindset to keep pushing forward just enough to not go backward, um, is enough for me, it, it's enough push into courage to take risks on. So I, I, I do, um, you know, I have a, I'm a landlord. I have mul multiple houses that I rent out and things like that. There's a lot of people in this world that would never want to do that. Right. Um, it takes courage because you're mortgaging or using your cash or however you're figuring it out. And if those people don't pay you, you might not be able to pay your bills. So you have to have courage and you have to have courage to stand up to people who don't want to pay the rent or whatever it might be. At the end of the day, though, for me, I just, I just see that as stability. And the more stability I have, the more courage I have. Because right. if I have that solid foundation, then when I fall, I don't fall far. Because right. I think about it like, okay, if I lose one of the houses, what, how many other houses do I have that I'm renting? Right? It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, but also not losing them makes me want to fight. Right. And so I think I think when you look at potentially losing something, whatever it might be, that's where the courage comes from to fight for for that thing that you truly want. Yeah. Whether it's a person, a, a significant other, if you're potentially losing a significant other, you will fight for that, depending on your situation. If you're potentially losing your business, your house, your mortgage, your 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 bank accounts, your car, you will fight. And it depends on who you are, obviously, versus like turning and running or whatever. And everybody, I'm not judging people. Like everybody has a reason for everything. But for me, I will just fight. And I will fight to the end. You're going to have to drag me out of here. Yep. I'm like uh, Mel Gibson <laughs> in uh, oh, uh, what's that movie? Braveheart. Leap, leap, Braveheart, yeah. But lethal weapon. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the Mel Gibson movies. <laughs> no, no, Braveheart. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's all about, they, they, they build up the courage, you know, in that movie. And, and, um, you know, and I reference that in my, in my motivational talk, like, what does it actually mean? Like yeah. to stand your ground and to believe in something and to have the courage to do that. Yeah. And courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing things in spite of the fear. Right. Yeah, this is probably going to hurt, but I'm I'm standing here. You know, this, this is probably going to, <laughs> yeah, you know, be hurtful. But yeah, I'm, I've got to do it, right? So, mm. absolutely, very cool. Well, Matt, this has been awesome. Really appreciate your time and stuff. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you? How can they follow you? How can they get your books? Yeah, absolutely. So my books are on Amazon, uh, okay. also on my website, Matt Ward Speaks, and I'm Matt Ward Speaks on pretty much every social channel out there, okay. including the TikTok. I'm on the TikTok. <laughs> so I do a bunch of personal stuff on there and a little bit of business, but a lot of personal stuff. 
Okay. Uh, so you can see really who I am and uh, what I'm all about. That's a little bit more of my personal side. I'm on Instagram, okay. uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook account, Facebook page, whatever. I'm Matt Ward Speaks pretty much everywhere. So Matt Ward Speaks. Very cool. All right. I will have those links in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you. And again, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Harlan. You know, one thing, uh, as we wrap up, I always like to tell everybody this whole high five thing is a great thing. It brings joy to everybody's life. And like I sign off with everything, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five. <laughs> high five. Good Everyone job. around you. High five. We call this a Y five, right? <laughs> because so very cool. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Uh, definitely check out uh, Matt Ward Speaks. Check out his books, More word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers and raving fans, and the high five effect, how to do business with people who bring you joy. Um, and share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now. <laughs>